Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Does it pay to delay? When it comes to your state pension, the answer could well be yes if you're prepared to gamble on your life expectancy for the hope of a better return in later life. Are fund managers spending too much time and too much of our money at the 19th hole? After City Watchdog, the FCA, warned financiers to stay away from the golf course, we take a look at how firms are competing on the basis of low fees. And going underground, FT Money's James Pickford has been digging deep for a story this week, reporting from the opening of the latest safety deposit box company to open in London. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, and I'll be giving you all the week's money news in downloadable form with the help of my FT colleagues and columnists. What would you say to an investment that could yield as much as 10% is index-linked and guaranteed by the UK government? Well, John Kay, the economist and FT columnist, this week urges our older listeners to consider deferring their state pension, a payment worth around £120 per week, in order to boost the level of payments they'll receive in later life, making the argument that they should think about this like an investment. But will it really pay for you to delay? I'm joined in the FT studio by Alan Hyam, the independent pensions expert behind the consumer website Pensions Champ. Alan, welcome to the FT Money Show. Thank you very much, Claire. Well, pensions are a complicated old business and everything that you do on your website, Pensions Champ, aims to explain to people in clear language what they need to be aware of. So in a nutshell, can you tell us why FT Money readers might want to consider deferring their state pension? Yes, it's a subject that most people don't understand, actually. When you look at the statistics, only around 8% of people actually choose to defer their pension. So over 90% of people are probably sleepwalking into taking their state pension at the earliest possible time without thinking about whether delaying it might benefit them. Hmm. So there are two groups here, really. There are those people who became entitled to their state pension before the 6th of April this year, and those who became entitled to it afterwards. Now, the first group has a much better deal, and that's the deal you referred to at the top of the show. If you delay taking your state pension, or suspend taking it if you're already drawing it, your state pension will increase by 10.4% per annum for each year you delay, on top of the normal inflation increases. That's an extremely generous rate, and many people would be better off by choosing to suspend or delay taking their state pension. The second group of people who've reached state pension age just recently, they don't receive such generous terms, I'm afraid. 
it is only 5.8%. Still not bad. It's not bad. If you compare what that does for you, let's say you decide to spend, say, £20,000 of your capital to delay taking your state pension for, say, three years, you'll get a 5.8% boost for each year. That will produce an extra income for life, inflation linked. So you could compare that with what you might buy from uh, the insurance companies through annuity Mm. for your 20,000. And what you will find is that the delaying the state pension route gives you a much better income for life than the annuity market does, unless you happen to be in very poor health. Well, yes, this is the obvious catch. Now, John Kay, the FT columnist, has come up with a mathematical formula that readers can use to help decide whether they should consider delaying or not. There's a link to that in the piece online. But there's one important caveat. Unlike other investment risks, the biggest downside to this one is that you die before you had expected to. That's right. You have to start claiming it at some point to get some return. If you delay indefinitely, then you will die before getting any benefit. So under the first group, you need to survive for at least 10 years after you do start taking it for it to be a benefit. But the second group need to survive for over 17 years after they start taking their benefit for that decision to delay to be of value to them as a pure investment. Now, Alan, you've come up with some case studies in FT Money this week that look at how health, not just wealth, should guide an individual's choice. So briefly, who is the ideal candidate for deferral and who should probably give it a miss? Well, it's very easy in the first group because the first group gets such a generous deal that most people under the age of, say, 75 should consider whether or not they wish to suspend taking their pension and benefit from the generous terms. It really is attractive for those people who want more secure income and don't mind running their capital down. But importantly, with this first group, when you decide to reinstate taking your state pension, you don't have to take a higher state pension. If your circumstances have changed, perhaps you've become ill, or perhaps you need the capital, then you have the option of having a lump sum paid to you. Mm. That lump sum is your missing state pension payments, plus interest at 2% above the Bank of England base rate. So it is also quite a safe, generous saving option as well. Now, this lump sum option doesn't exist for the second group. So the second group have to be much more discerning. Firstly, I think it's only really attractive for those very close to their state pension age. It's better for women because they can, at the moment, get their state pension slightly earlier than the men. And, and we live for longer. And you're expected to live longer, all other things being equal. But I think for the second group, it's not so much as an investment decision, but more as an insurance against running out of money in older life. And you need to think carefully about spending your capital up front and leaving yourself short in the near term. Well, excellently explained there. Thanks to Alan Hyam, the independent pensions expert. You can read our cover feature, Does It Pay to Delay Your State Pension, in FT Money this weekend, including the full piece by John Kay and Alan's excellent explanations on whether you should consider doing this or not. Still to come on the FT Money show, how safe is your safety deposit box? Before that, there was a huge reaction from FT Money readers to our story last week that City Watchdog, the FCA, had censured fund managers for spending too much money wooing clients on the golf course or on other forms of corporate hospitality. Predictably, the fund managers have been defending themselves, arguing that offering their clients hospitality is a key way of winning and maintaining business in any industry, with one fund manager complaining, soon we will all be having a golf day without golf balls, a fishing day in the gym, and watching Formula One racing on the office television. So, who is right, and what should investors make of the news? 
I'm joined in the FT studio by Gina Miller, co-founder of the wealth management firm SEM Private and leader of the True and Fair campaign, which campaigns for more transparency and lower fees in fund management. Gina, welcome to the FT Money Show. Good morning. In an environment where returns are getting lower and lower, should the expenses claims of fund managers be following suit? Oh, absolutely. I think there is no doubt that in the past we've seen huge excesses that have resulted in the consumer being forgotten. Because remember, this is about what is best for the consumer, what is the best advice. And my particular worry has been around the advisory IFA market because the majority of products are still bought through IFAs and the fund houses have taken them on extravagant outings to win business. And I thought it was extraordinary that they actually admitted that to you in your interview, that it was about winning business. It should be about rewarding partnerships or I have no problem once you have a client on board or an IFA on board. But I think to use it as a tactic, because I think in the interview they said a major tool for winning business which I think is completely wrong. It has to be in context. And you cannot expect to be getting the best advice from an advisor who's maybe being flown off to Paris or to New York or wherever it might be. And then my second problem with this is it disadvantages smaller companies who might have fantastic products for advice for end clients, but haven't got the marketing budgets to take on the big spends. So it just creates a very, very uneven playing field for the consumer. Now, in an environment where returns are getting lower and lower, this is a small grumble, really, from the regulator, and it's not an edict that change must happen. So how would you like to see the industry change its ways? I think it's very important that we know that it's far more transparent, and I think excesses have got to change. They already are changing, but I think there will be a business necessity that they change, because as we see pressures on fees coming down, budgets will inevitably get smaller when it comes to corporate hospitality, sponsorship, etc. So I think there will be a lowering of the amount spent on that. But at the same time, I think there has to be a reason. You have to be either educating the advisor or the client, and it has to be within context. But I really don't see any need for the extravagant events that have gone on in the past. And finally, do you think we'll see more fund managers and financial services companies using low fees as a selling point to consumers. Merrin Somerset Webb highlighted Orbis Access in her FT Money column last week. And of course, Neil Woodford last month famously promised to give investors much more transparency about the level of fees and costs in his funds. I'm very worried as the sort of the, the one who kicked off this debate four or five years ago, that we're going down the wrong track. It's not about lower fees. It's about transparent, fair fees, because you have to have in the context that the lower fee products might be giving you low returns as well. So the ultimate nirvana for me is transparent fees in an understandable format, but also in the context of risk and return. Fees on their own, low fees alone, will not give consumers the best outcomes. Well, thank you very much for joining us. That was Gina Miller of SEM Private and leader of the True and Fair campaign. If you missed it, you can read Merrin Somerset Webb's column, Fund Managers and Why They're Having Too Much Fun, now on ft.com slash money. Finally, we're going deeper underground. The Hatton Garden heist, where an industrial drill was used to break into a safe deposit box storage facility, made headlines worldwide. So naturally, when we heard about the opening of a new safe deposit box business in London this week, we sent along James Pickford, Deputy Editor of FT Money, to investigate who might use it and what its owners have to say about security. James, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. What's the idea behind this new place in St James's? Well, this is a business called Sharps Pixley, which is 
a very old brand in this area. And they've opened a new, a swanky new facility in St. James's, uh, which is a very upmarket part of London. And in January opened a bullion shop where you could go in, buy gold bars, platinum, uh, silver, palladium. And what they've done now is open a safe deposit box facility on the same premises. So you can buy your gold and send it downstairs uh, to keep it safe instead of taking it home and storing it under your mattress. So if you use one of these facilities, how do you know that it's any more secure than Hatton Garden was before it was visited by Basil and his drilling associates? <laughs> yes, the security arrangements are obviously kept very close to their chest. So in short, you don't really. But the people that I met at Sharps Pixley are adamant that, and it is a new facility taken over a year to put it in place to build the vaults underneath St. James's. And there are things that we do know which are there. So the, the place is bristling with cameras, which are watched uh, 24 hours a day. There are all sorts of sort of arrangements to do with lasers and so forth and other things that they're not prepared to talk about, which protect the facility when it's not manned. But overall, yes, the Hatton Garden point is that it's slightly older. Uh, it was one of the oldest uh, safe deposit facilities in London. And the owners here make the point that this is one of the newest. And state of the art. But who uses these services? The Hatton Garden facility, lots of jewellers obviously in the area. What about this one? They say half of their customers are UK residents. People might walk in off the street as long as they provide a photo ID of some kind. Uh, you can buy a gold bar. Um, after a certain level, which is around £5,000, your name will be checked against international databases of money laundering and so forth to make sure that you mm -hmm. you don't trigger any alarms. But this is also, in particularly where it's based in St. James's, a huge appeal to overseas clients, and particularly those countries, emerging markets like India, Brazil, where there is a cultural history of storing wealth in the form of gold. A lot of their clients are coming through the door from those places. While half of the clients are UK, much more of the proportion of value is accounted for by overseas clients. Interesting. And we've previously written in FT Money that with volatility across world markets, investors are getting a taste for gold again. But should you hold gold yourself or not? There are many ways of holding gold or at least investing in gold, gaining exposure to this precious metal that don't involve actually holding it physically. And the main one is exchange-traded funds, which has emerged over the past few years. Uh, they're easy to trade. The fees are quite low. So there's no reason why you should feel that you have to hold gold physically. The owners of the bullion shop and safe deposit make the point that actually there may be two different psychological things going on here. So if you buy into an ETF, you're essentially taking a position on the market. You might be speculating essentially on what you think is going to happen to the gold price. Whereas most of the people that would come through their doors are thinking of their gold as an asset, as a sort of store of wealth, which they are just going to leave not necessarily something they view as a speculative investment. Well, thanks very much there. That was James Pickford. You can read his full report in ft.com slash money and in FT Money this weekend. We'd love to know what you think about the risks and rewards of delaying your state pension, fund managers entertaining clients at the 19th hole, or about money matters more generally. You can get in touch with us via email or address money at ft.com or you can tweet us at ft money. 
and you can leave comments at the foot of individual articles on our website at ft.com money. There's just time to tell you what else will feature in FT Money this weekend. Our experts assess whether a millennial couple who can't afford to buy a home in Britain should buy one abroad instead. I take a look at intergenerational mortgages, plus we have the latest share tips and director's deals from the Investors Chronicle. The Money Show is produced in London by Naomi Rovnik and edited by Feline Reyes in Manila. We will be back next week at our new regular UK publication time of 6am on Thursday mornings, ready for your commute into work. Till then, it's goodbye from me and our studio guests. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.